out there, Foxes fans, and welcome back to another edition of the U.S. Foxes podcast. Coming to you live, as always, from various time zones around the United States of America. I always am your host, Matt Fultz, joined by my three amazing co-hosts, all four of us here uh, this week. Tonight, uh, we'll start with uh, the man that's been missing from our little group here, Mr. Jim Harris of the Texas Foxes is back with us. What's up, bro? How was your vacation? It was good, thanks. Vacation was wonderful. Had a nice time down in Cancun. Did some scuba diving in the cenotes and got to snorkel with a whale shark. So uh, an adventurous time before we went to an all-inclusive and just gorged ourselves silly and drank lots of lots of alcohol and sat by the beach. Lots of fruity drinks. That sounds amazing. Um, that's a that's great, dude. Congrats on uh, another very much. well-earned vacation. And thank yeah. you for joining us back. We certainly missed you and your insights. So we're looking forward to uh, having you back. Also joined this evening, as always, by our man on the East Coast, Mr. Jason Becker of the New York Foxes. What's up, bro? Hey, guys. Well, I, I missed Jim's insight, but I didn't realize until just now how much I missed his sun-kissed face. But, uh, <laughs> at the time of recording, it is still Nigel Pearson's birthday here in the States. So happy holidays to, to all who celebrate. Yes, thank you for pointing that out. Uh, my dog, with who's you know Nigel's namesake, uh, is, is celebrated appropriately. He's right here under the table with me, so we are celebrating in San Diego, uh, Mr. Pearson's birthday. Still, aren't we, uh, Mr. Chris Warner? Also in San Diego. What's up, bro? Yes, we are, mate. We're also celebrating, kind of getting through what should we call it, tropical storm Hillary, yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I hope everyone in the Southwest, um, got through it safely. Um, but yeah, great to, uh, great to see Jim again. Um, he looks absolutely fantastic. I hope, I hope you're able to watch this on video guys. The guy is glowing and why not? <laughs> He's seen Lester win four on the bounce now. That's right. That's right. Thanks you you, I'm, I'm, I'm you really my... do keep us looking handsome. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sporting my british tan which which obviously means i'm i've got lots of sunburn so thanks for pointing that out all because as they say only mad dogs and englishmen go out in the midday sun and and there i was every day on my lounger battling it out well you're a british a british texan so i think you do well uh you do better in the sun than than most brits do i think you have a red forehead and a red neck at the same time (laughs) That's perfect. That's perfect. Um, so, yeah, guys, welcome back to the U.S. Foxes podcast. Another week uh, has gone by. Another match. We played Cardiff over the weekend, and uh, KP was absolutely rocking. Uh, the boys continued their uh, march on in the league. We got to see player Aaron Ramsey, who none of us have seen in God knows how many years. I, he was at Rangers, I think, last. Is that right, Jim? Do you know? Before he ended up back here at Cardiff? Uh, yeah, I think he had a t- some time at Nice as well, if I remember correctly, um, via Juventus. So um, I can't remember which order. I don't, sorry, I don't track Aaron Ramsey's um, yeah, career honestly, as I should. Yeah, I don't think anyone did because I honestly had, that's but a I think he was, I had. I think he was with the Casper. I think he was with Casper last season. Oh, at Nice? That's cool. 
That's that's a pretty cool stat. It's very nice. That's why I asked you because we wouldn't have had this uh, information. But yeah, guys, <laughs> I guarantee it's accurate. Yeah, Cardiff at home. Um, I tell you what, guys, it's uh, it's the the season is at a point right now where we are getting wins in in games that I don't think we we get wins last year. Um, not only because we're in a lower level where the finishing is just atrocious, uh, but also because we have a manager now that is just helping to uh, see us through games and kind of have a better attitude than we had last year. We're getting these late wins, and it's quite the change, Chris, from what we uh, were used to being on the opposite end of this uh, so much last season. Yeah, it feels good to grab a last-minute goal, doesn't it, mate? Normally, normally to put on the other side. No, um, yeah, fourth on four. I mean, you can't ask for a better start. I think we'll probably go into the performance a little bit more. Um, I'll just say it probably wasn't our greatest. Um, I think even Enzo said that we were, what, Below par, I think, was the way he described it. So, yeah, but a win's a win, Matt. I mean, we're top of the league. And there's only, what, four teams, I think, in the whole of the football league that are unbeaten. We're one of them. You can't ask for a better start. We said coming into this season, it was all about getting a getting a quick start, building momentum, and then just keeping that going. And, I mean, so far, so good. Yeah, and to, exactly. And to your point, like, the we've got these wins, and... Um, they haven't been those kind of because, you know, depending on who you talk to before the start of the season, uh, people either predicted us to win it going away or they thought that we would struggle. And I think what's been interesting thus far has been the way that we are winning. And that is, you know, grinding these wins out. Um, I think I if we had just come out right away and just been blowing teams out of the water, obviously that would have been enjoyable as well. But I do think, Jason, that there's something to be said about uh grinding some of these out against a team you know better better half of these you know we're gonna play Rotherham this weekend but um so far we've played teams that did decently last year um I mean especially obviously when you look at Coventry and we are grind finding a way to grind these things out yeah and uh I think that's the going to way be the way this season um is going to look more often than not Surely uh, we're still going through, you know, the adjustments that Enzo's new system. He doesn't have all the players that he wants yet. It still remains to be seen whether or not the squad will look like what he wants it to look like before the end of the window. So we're very, very new into the Enzo era, right? He really hasn't had a lot of time. So it is still encouraging that even when we're not necessarily playing a perfect game and, and there are big stretches of you know, letdowns and, and conceding chances to the opposition were still grinding out the wins. Um, I do think that, you know, the, the deep bench that the side has, even with two goalkeepers, helps. And a lot of these games are going to come down to the difference of individual quality. And you can see the chances that are being missed against us and the chances that, that we're creating. And Enzo is also helping his own cause by making the right adjustments in the middle of a game. And, and making good substitutions that actually change the game and impact the game. And that also has been very refreshing to me as well, because how many times last year would we watch a game and think like, oh, this is like this game is begging for Ian Nacho to come on or for, you know, for Tete to come off. <laughs> uh, and it just wouldn't happen. And so um, it, good, good on Enzo for, you know, not, you know, uh, insisting on perfection immediately 
and making the pragmatic choices to go get the results. Definitely. And when you hear his post-match comments, uh, shout out uh, to OPA, Owen Palmer Atkin this week. He definitely, you can tell that Enzo is not the easiest man to interview. And uh, OPA has been doing a hell of a job with him thus far. So shout out to Owen. But uh, he made the comment that he thinks the team is only 10% to 20% where he wants them to be. And I mean, man, the fact that we've started out for for four and we're only going 10 to 20% has to make you feel pretty good, Chris, uh, looking at the results. I think, yeah. I mean, I think the first half especially showed where we want to be. And again, in fits and starts, we were pretty good when we passed the ball quickly and moved it through the lines. I think second half, we got a bit stuck. But um, yeah, I think... This team is only going to evolve both, I think, if we get any more transfers in. But also, I just think the more we can spend time on the training ground with with Enzo, the more this team is just going to understand what he wants from them. Because I think at times he's got an idea and he's trying to communicate it across. And maybe at the minute, the players aren't necessarily doing what he wants. And I think that's only going to come through kind of developing and building that relationship. So I think, yeah, it's a, it's a hell of a start. I mean, just trying to... you. You try and think of some of the previous starts we've had. And I've always had the, I've always thought to myself, like, um, I think Leicester starting fast has always been the, the recipe for success. And uh, yeah, I'm the, the optimist, let's put it this way the optimism jar is filling pretty quickly by the day, Matt. That's, that's how, that's how it's going at the minute. I mean, nine point. We already got nine points, you know, Jim. And, and you look at, look at, I mean, we know how this league is, and this league is, absolutely the it is built on momentum you you can make or break your season on momentum and i can't get off to a better start than we have literally jimmy so what what are your thoughts thus far on this well look i think if you think about three league wins in a row um what you you we've got nine points out of nine we can't we can't complain about the results we can't complain about um being second in the league now and you know unfortunately on goal difference but you know i'll take it of course i I think the biggest thing for me is um just just listening to enzo talk and things like that he's saying already as the manager you know he's been here two months and he's he's saying things like look everything we have everything we do has a purpose behind it like playing why are we playing Ricardo in the midfield? Oh, because it's you know this is what they do to make you know an inverted fullback. No, it's to it's to overload the midfield and allow the midfield our our midfielders to push on and press and get the ball back more quickly. And that's you know part of the why are we playing Ndidi as a, as an eight because he he's good at tackling. He can win the ball higher up. I think when it comes to being on the ball and maybe finishing, yep, he's 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 not there. But you can see that the tactics have got. Um, purpose behind them uh everything you know everything has a plan he says as well and it's kind of really interesting to hear him in the interviews and i feel like um that to me is completely different from the previous manager who was like well you know even looking at the result you know he had at the weekend against kilmarnock you know he he should not be named but oh well we just didn't have the quality we've got to do better you know it's this is about look we're building I've got something I want to go do and I'm going to go do it. And the team are starting to get used to that. I think was, is what, what we see a lot more comfortable. 
Um, I think we've also, as Jason mentioned, we've got the quality and the quality has been different each game. So, you know, Matt with a with a screamer with for his goal. He had a great game. I think Jewsbury Hall grew into the game. I don't think anyone else really stood out for me. You know, you talked about the finishing and like that's probably been the, the flip side of the coin for me this season. We've won each game. But I feel like if we'd have played like we did, you know, we play really well. But if we'd have played like we have been in the Premier League, oh, dude, we'd be, we'd be yeah, toast. A hundred percent. we give? Like, I, I can think of a guilt head chance every game we've played. Absolutely. We, we the finishing, so, if the finishing is even, even half of the skill that I'm down here. Look, I don't, I'm not going to complain about, like, I think that the, the thing for me is it means we're going to get better. So right. I'm going to take it as a, we're winning. We're, we're, ex, we're starting to execute the plan. We've had some luck, which has been great. You know, we didn't have any luck last season. Let's ride it. It's better to be lucky than be good, some people say. And then we're, we're positioned really well. Yeah, I think it's it's very, very promising, especially with this deep bench that we're going to need with these two Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday bullshit. And then you start throwing in League Cup stuff like the deeper this bench, is, I'm fine with it as it's just keeping the guys, you know, positive and happy in there. Um, let's dive into the actual match, guys, more specifically. Uh, the first the first major event that I have is Nacho um, putting one off the post early absolute beautiful left foot curler that i think everybody saw going in and then it just unfortunately hits that post but good to see him looking dangerous again jason um this early off in the year yeah he was kind of doing everything uh he was t taking chances at goal dropping very deep a lot of the times to link up play um it's kind of also what enzo we talked about too. He kind of saw Ricardo going into the midfield. He sees Iannaccio going into the midfield the same exact way. Let's create that overload and get the keep the ball. And Iannaccio, for the past few years, has done that better than anyone on on our team. He was unlike. I mean, it was a beautiful curling shot. He kind of had the defender on skates. Always knew he was going to go back onto his left foot, but the way he just kept shifting, uh, he just had too much for the defender. It would have been could have been easily, you know, a goal of the season candidate. So uh big fan of, of, uh, you guys know how much I love Kalinji. You know, I'm all about the senior man. And I, I really enjoy watching him play, even when he's having a frustrating game, because he's never not involved. It's like so many strikers fall out of games and we see it all the time. Um, and strikers that have to play on the back, back shoulder, they'll just get, marked out of a game they'll just get bullied out of a game and Ian Nacho's always involved yeah and a lot of that has to deal with that midfield presence that he has uh Chris your thoughts on that shot I mean Nacho he just looks a different level up here down yeah here. he does it's one of those things where you think when he gets his first he's gonna get five or six really really quickly um yeah I think to Jason's point I think Inacho is definitely one of those guys that you can see the difference. And I and I think one of the things that I would say is that I think if you look at the chances against us where some of their centre forwards have missed, I'd feel like if you put Inacho in that position, it'd have been three from three. I think the kid's clinical finishing would have scored all three. So um, it's going to come. I think he's going to. I think 
at some point, uh, hopefully this weekend, it will come. But once it does, I expect good stuff from him. I think also it's it's really nice to see that Enzo, I think, realizes that he's our op should be the number one option. And I think the weekend only cemented that as well. Like we'll talk about it a little bit later, but Vardy coming on for that last 15, 20 minutes was great. And I think moving forward that dynamo, whether it's Ian Acho for 60, 70 and then Vardy, I think is a, potentially a really good setup for us moving forward. Yeah. And we've talked for a while about making that work like we 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 know that you know that he's 36 years old he's in the twilight of his career but being that you know because that's such a different role being the guy that comes on at 60 or 70 than what he's used to being for us so i think it's not it's no surprise that it he has maybe not been as effective in that role as we thought he would you know the red bull jamie vardy versus arsenal comes to mind but it just we're in a different league now it so I'm I'm not worried about that, but it is a great sign because man, did he have an effect? And and we'll we'll dive into that. Um, but before we get there, I did I did want to say you know um, about another guy that it's just been literally I think the catalyst for us so far, and that's Harry Wings, who starts off that Nacho chance with just a fucking beautiful cross ball across to Marsalu, then you know does the rest to get it to into Nacho for that for that chance, but. Uh, Jim, what if you? We'll go to you on on Harry Winks and what his um, role in the team has been thus far. Because holy cow, for ten million, I don't think we could have done much better. No, I, yeah, totally. I think he's just. I think metronome is the word I, I think of. It, he's great. just yeah. giving the ball, recycling, ticking over. But I, I think the biggest thing I see he's doing is you can see he's kind of directing traffic and he's becoming the link between the defense and the attack. We know that Vestergaard can carry the ball out fast to a degree, but he'll sort of drop in, pick it up, go get it. Just, you know, simple ball, give it back. And it kind of, it's like he's the championship Zavi in a way, right? He's kind of just keeping the ball. We keep the ball. He doesn't give it away cheaply. But if he sees something, Matt, to your point, he's not afraid to play it. I think He's had a couple of like little glitches defensively where he's maybe tried to do something a little bit and he's lost it. Um, you know, Saturday was was in evidence, but overall, I think he's been a fantastic signing and, and I'm really excited. I think it's given him a fresh lease of life. Um, he's that, I think what we've all been talking about, he's another leader on the pitch. And I think we're seeing now a leader in, like we've got Fast who's kind of starting to grow a bit to becoming a leader at the back. We've got Winks who, and, and Dewsbury Hall now who are sort of leaders. You know, we know Wilf's been captain. And then we've got, you know, I think Senior Man is kind of showing he's a sort of leader by the way he's played as well. But um, I just want to go back to Kalechi. Sorry, I didn't get a chance to talk about it. I think we all oh, got showed pod, right? Maybe we rename it to US Kalechi pod. Um, but I think it was the most Nacho game of all. There's like... It was everything that you get from a Kalechi and Nacho. It was first half. I think he was really fantastic. The shot, I think it's his trademark move now, right? You know, little jig, little jiggle, shift, go. And if you know what he's going to do, he still does it and bends it round. But then I think it was the other bit for me where he picked up the ball in our half on the on the on the touchline, and the Cardiff player came in and he just sort of shrugged them off and then carried the ball and progressed it sort of 15, 20 yards and then played a pass. I think to to, I think it was to Ndidi to kind of just get him through, you know, played another nice through ball for to Marcel as well to run on to. Um, 
And I think that's what he adds. And I think as we see, maybe when we'll talk about this, I'll do it, Chris, as we talk about this in the future, but like, you know, Cassidy potentially being the other eight who's, provi who's providing a bit more of a box presence. I think that will make Iannaccio even more like a fulcrum for the attacks because we'll have people bombing on beyond him. I think at the moment, indeed, it's not natural to Wilf. So he does it, but then he's like, oh, what, what am I doing? So, yeah, I think it's super exciting to see, you know, again, back to the sort of presence and so forth. And then as, you know, you, you talked about Vardy coming on later, where actually we've kind of like been jabbing at the opposition for ages, right? They're getting tired and they're pressing onto us and it's creating space behind. So that's fun. Yeah, it makes sense. And yeah, dude, you're exactly right. And and as we're, you know, when some eyebrows were raised when Enzo said he wasn't going to have a single captain all year. I know some people hate that and they want one guy, but I think it's just the it's a wealth of riches as far as um, guys with experience, guys with, you know, passion. Like I think Enzo looks around that locker room right now and he's like, yeah, there, there are six captains on this team and holy shit what a good position to be in jason um you know with with winksy and and notch i mean god go down the yeah. list of guys that could wear that armband and none of us would question it yeah it just seems like the 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 culture is really changing which a lot of us have been crying out for for so long and what brendan tried to pretend he was referring to when he wanted a squad refresh but it was clear that you know I don't know. I don't want to say it's clear. I am speculating, but it does kind of seem like Rogers had his like pets and those are his guys. Whereas Enzo, like, I don't think Enzo's afraid of big personalities. And I don't think Enzo gets intimidated by strong players and characters and um, feels like he's, that had, I don't think he's got any insecurities here. So he's allowing these players to bring their best selves and then, and, and bring the things that, that, you know, may challenge other managers uh, to the training ground each day. And he, he's called out Albright. He's called out Vardy for the way that they behave not, well, in a positive way, right? He's, he's commending them for their leadership that they're showing during training, that they're showing during the game, the examples that they're setting for younger players. Um, it's going to really help a lot of our young guys grow. Connor, uh, Connor Cody also. I mean, last year we had a captain that was injured most of the season and was almost like nowhere to be found. Didn't hear from him really at all until the end of the year when he was starting to get fit again. And that was it. He was completely baffled about why we were relegated, maybe because he wasn't that involved. And look at Cody. He's traveling with the team. He's he's a very present figure um, in everything that's going on. You see him. You hear from him. The, the, his teammates see from him. And uh, I, I I think um, it's this is the kind of – the. the this is what we wanted, right? This is what we want to see. Like, even if the football is not like so exciting, this is the kind of stuff that I think gets fans going, mm -hmm. and you know, makes us know that the eleven guys on the pitch aren't going to be the only ones fighting. That everyone behind the scenes is on the same page, is trying to get this team back into the Premier League. Jason, to your point on like 
he doesn't have favorites like clearly like Rogers did, but we see he's being kind of leaving people out. But I feel like it's a bit like Guardiola did. I know it's an easy comparison, right? But you just don't fit what I'm trying to do. So I'm going to kind of leave you out for that reason and move you on. I think there's probably a bit of attitude play, but he's, but then it's kind of clear that he's, you're not even on the bench, you're not making it near the squad. You're going to go. I know there's kind of question marks about like why isn't um, Suter playing, for example. But, you know, that's he's probably the main one that's sort of maybe being left out that people are questioning. That it's puzzling why he's not even making it as much as the squad. Whereas, yeah, we know Kastani probably wanted to go. We know he's going to go. Uh, maybe Dakar is a, a, maybe the other one as well. But, um, I think I think it's more against his plan of why people are not making the squad and the team not necessarily like Rogers. I just don't like the way that you looked at me in the canteen or whatever. That's exactly right. Uh, moving on ahead, guys. Wanya Marsal's uh, goal. He scores his first goal for the club. Um, holy shit! What a screamer! And just proof that good things happen when you just shoot. Uh, the guy just let the cannon rip and the thing finds the top corner. What a way to score your first one, Chris, for the club. Yeah, hell of a finish. Hell of a finish. Keep your, keep your head down, as they say in those situations. And he absolutely rifled it in. Um, yeah, I mean, not much else to say. 1-0 and fully deserved, I think, based on that first part of the game. I thought we knocked it, just as an overall thing, I thought we knocked it around really quickly. And to Jim's point, I think really decisively as well. And that's the key. And I think if we can play with Winks and Vestergaard through the middle, setting the ball, setting up those transitions, and I think we're pretty untouchable at times. Um, but yeah, hell of a finish. Great celebration. Like, you could tell it meant so much to the lad, which was, like, so refreshing. I mean, we've, we've wanted passion and we've wanted the players to give a shit all last year and we never got that and in the first four games of the season now we've seen goals and we've seen just people excited to put the Leicester shirt back on again and that's all I can ask for as a Leicester fan is just to be proud wear the shirt with a bit of pride and just go out there and just try your best and it it was great to see that that was coming through from the players when he scored and when they scored well, I think a huge, you talk about passion. I mean, it's just the player. I mean, you're talking about a kid that has grown up in this club and in this academy versus, you know, last year, some of the, for lack of a better word, mercenaries or sellswords, whatever the hell we had going on with the guys that we just shrub, shoved into the team at the last minute because we needed to make some, you know, some sort of move in the in the transfer market. And uh, yeah, it's it's easy to see how much it meant to the kid and, and, an academy kid scoring a goal like that, Jason, that's that stuff of dreams. Yeah, and that's what I think we want to keep seeing as fans. We want to see these young kids come up through the ranks. We want to root for them because we know how much this means to them. You could see how much it meant, went to, meant to, to Wanya. And, um, yeah, and he was absolutely buzzing about it. And it was a great strike. Like, what a way to open up your account, right, for, for your um, – for your club for your first senior goal there and it was uh it was a special moment and i think that it really wasn't lost on on everyone around i think all of his teammates know that like he's been put into a tough spot 
you know, Enzo has been pretty straightforward about it. He says, like, look, I, I, not going to rely on him all season. We do need to bring in another player there. But good on him for giving the kid a chance, for making his role clear. And I think that probably also took some, has taken some of the pressure off of him as well. So really looks from the outside, looks like really great man management and um, just a great way to, to build his confidence when he's going through like and, and playing, suddenly playing in, in, in championship games. Yeah. And it's exactly to your point, like, you know, <laughs> when you have your manager saying publicly, like I would like another right wing and to, to just be like, wait a minute, you know, and, and to put that, that little hesitation into Enzo's brain when you score a goal like that, that's gotta be great for him. Well, I, I don't know if it's necessary changing Enzo's plans. Right? I, Enzo seems like he's, he's pretty set, but I think what he's doing is not like telling the kid like, well, we're SOL. It's going to be up to you, and you're going to have to save us and get us promoted. It's right. like, yeah. hey, you know what? Get into the side. Try to make something happen. This is how we're setting it up to play. Do these things. You'll get your opportunities as the season goes on, but I don't want you to feel like this is all on you and that you have to take on too much. Whereas a lot of times some other managers might publicly say that a player is not, you know, their, their top choice in the position, but they're kind of slating them and, and ruining their confidence. But it seems like Enzo's kind of been able to do the opposite with the way that he's speaking about, um, about one. And I think it's really going to help his development. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, Chris, let me ask you about another player that we saw on Saturday who had started off the season great, but in my opinion, struggled. Uh, KDH kind of had a kind of a blip of a game thus far this season. He just seemed like he wasn't uh, what he has been thus far going forward. You agree with that? Yeah, I think we were, we were watching the game in the pub together, weren't we? And we were, I think we'd, we've set, we have an expectation of KDH based on the first three performances of expecting it always to be up here. But we have to be honest, at some point, you are going to get a little bit of reversion back to maybe more of where he should be in terms of his performances. Yeah, look, he didn't have a great game, I think, in my opinion anyway. I thought he was getting into the right positions, which was super important. And I mean, arguably, you can say that for he, he was the catalyst for the winner. I mean, his aggression and desire to kind of just push past the Cardiff player enabled us to set that up for, for Vardy and etc. But... Yeah, I thought just from his, I think his passing was a little bit kind of just misplaced and a little bit not necessarily kind of as sharp as I'd like to see from him. But um, I think as moving forward, he is the sort of guy, though, that we, I, I think his, him in that eight position, he's just going to continue to grow and build. And I think I just want to touch back on um, the conversation just a minute ago. I think another thing that I think Enzo's liking about the fact that we have these, um, the, the wingers in now as well is we're, pay, we're we're playing so wide and if you look at the way that we're playing now you can see that both of our wingers are really hogging that touchline and we're just spreading the game out which I think is compared to last season when everything yeah. just seemed so compact and that was just basically with Madison playing him out there he just wanted to keep coming inside it's really refreshing to see that if when we're playing wide we just give that space and we have that opportunity there. So I think adding to that, um, I think that's been a great revelation as well with having these new lads in. Definitely. 
Um, and yeah, I'm with you on K- on on uh, KDH as well. As I I think that uh, it's just those games are going to happen. He did spend a lot of time on the ground, uh, but I I also think you're being pretty pretty nice saying he was the catalyst for that uh, for the winner because that was a pretty terrible sh- shot. Uh, you could say it was a pass, but yeah, it was, was a pass, Matt. You want to show? Oh, okay, <laughs> sure, sure. Girl. Well. Uh, we can dive back into that. Anything you guys, uh, Jason or Jim, you got anything you want to say on KDH? Uh, I think that was quite harsh on him. I think he actually, I think it was the most inconsistent performance he had. I think his first half, when we were playing well, he wasn't really playing well. But I think the last mm. 15, 20 minutes, he he was maybe not the catalyst, but he provided a lot of energy and he kept going. And I, yeah. I think it was probably the worst performance he's had defensively for us. And I think we're used to seeing him, you know, get involved a bit more and he was getting a bit pushed off the ball and maybe trying a bit too much, but he creates some still some dangerous passes and kept going. So I don't think he was poor. I I think like first 25, 30 minutes, he wasn't up to what we think. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I know you know. I'll, um, you know, we on this pod, we all have slightly different things that we see. Yeah, I poor is maybe not the word. Uh, off, I think, is more the word I'm looking because he he. It's just more of an off game for him, uh, in my opinion. Uh, Aaron Ramsey's goal happens, guys, right before the half. Um, I just sent a shrug emoji in the chat. Like, if that's how they have to score <laughs> their goals, what else can you fucking say? Uh, absolute worldy, and I, I guess he could say, indeed, he could have closed down more, but that's just, yeah. Rob Tanner, Rob Tanner said uh, he's the only player in the league that could score that kind of a goal, so I guess if you're going to have uh, that, that's just going to happen down here. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was, it was a great shot. It was, and you got to kind of tip your bucket hat. Uh, to them, if anyone is actually not watching, I am wearing the Union FS uh, bucket today. But um, you got to see out of half, right? You can't, right? You mm-hmm. can't kind of lose lose focus there. And I think, um, you know, it wasn't all in all, it was a good half of football, I think, from us. It was just a little yeah. disappointing to give up a goal like that. And I think it took us some time to kind of get back into the game after that happened uh, because, you know, Cardiff really had the kind of, um, it really lifted Cardiff, and it was a hell of a goal. And it, it should, right? It, it um, if a, if one of your teammates scored a goal like that, I mean, you'd be buzzing and and trying to you know make For that sure. uh, a goal that contributed towards a win because it, it's a goal that certainly deserved to be part of a win. Definitely. And I think that's going to be a recurring thing for Cardiff this year because the quality around him is just not there. Uh, and I think he's going to be struggling with that in my opinion. I thought we, and I kind of mentioned him last week. I thought we'd see a little bit more dynamism out of bowler. And he did, he looked like a, another championship player to me. A little flat. Yeah. Um, Nothing Mads uh, Hermanson, our be- our wonderful Danish goalkeeper, could have done about that one. No goalie in the world could stop that one. Uh, but other than that, I'll use this opportunity to say that Mads was great. It was awesome to have him back. Made all the stops that he needed to save, and his distribution looked really good to me, uh, Jimmy. Yeah, it was just nice to have calming presence at the back. And he came out a couple of times, did his sweeper-keeper job. Um, I think the other thing I liked about him, he kind of tried to create some quick attacks too, so that he was mm-hmm. throwing the ball 
ball out a couple of times, threw it long. Um, and it's nice to just not see the goalkeeper kick the ball into the um, into the touchline for a throw-in. Isn't that great? Do you, do you think those people in the KP are slightly disappointed on like the first and second <laughs> row of the East Stand that are no longer getting the ball? No, I think they're just they're probably less uh, paying less attention now because last year at any moment they could have been clocked in the head by a size <laughs> five. Uh, so they might be on their phone a little but bit more. Maybe maybe oh. that's what maybe that's what we do with um, Everson and Ward. We just ship them over to the Tigers because they're pretty thick. Good at <laughs> getting into touch. Yeah, great point. Well, you know, people need to get used to how he plays out of the back. And I heard, you know, plenty of folks telling me and, and some other posts I read on social media about people moaning about the speed of the buildup and play it forward and all that stuff. And it's just like, look, the game has passed you by. Like, it's just not going to be like that anymore. And it's not the way football is really played almost on exactly. at any level. Yeah. And there's a reason why we're doing that. And sometimes you have to kind of adjust your expectations or what you're going out to see and also like decide what you're looking to get out of a game. Are you there to kind of, you know, cheer the guys on and, and improve the atmosphere or just, you know, there to, to watch some, you know, old fashioned football. <laughs> I'll say Matt, I think our nerves are slightly getting better. Do you remember that moment in the first half when um, Mads is playing sweeper keeper and he takes a throw in? about three quarters in a side of our own half and he gets the ball. I think both of his hearts dropped, but we get, we're getting there. I think we'll slowly learn to love the concept of the sweeper keeper, but holy hell. I, I think, honestly, it's going to be once we get solidified back there, once we figure out who, like, is Justin involved, is Cody involved. But right now, like, until September 1st, guys, which can't come fucking soon enough, until that day comes and we know who's on this team and who we can build on and go forward, I think, yeah, we're going to have those heart, heart in our throat moments uh, going forward. Um, I love it. I think it's amazing that we've got a proper footballing 11. Yeah. Yeah. And go ahead, Jason. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say, you know, I think um, in past windows, we've had a lot of anxiety about what the team is going to look like because they're clearly players that we wanted to hold on to that we weren't able to hold on to. Fofana, one of them last season, it's just, it, it's happened before. But I think this year we kind of knew who was going to get sold. And Enzo's made it very clear, I think, of who we want to keep and who we don't want to keep. We're not hearing a whole lot of buzz about the players that have been in the starting 11. So to me, that um, implies that there is an understanding, not only between you know Enzo and the, and the players, but between other clubs and Leicester City Football Club about who's for sale, who's not for sale. And then we have all of the other players that are not making it to the match day squad that, you know, we are looking to, to, to move on. Now we're going to have to get some business done quickly and we have a decent number of players still to shift, but I just don't have, um, maybe, it, maybe it's all the wins, but I, I don't have that same feeling of, of anxiety um, that maybe I've had uh, in past windows. Yeah, no, of course. I, I, I just jinxed it. Now someone's going to come in for with a thirty-five million pound for Kelechi and Nacho and Pereira. Well, I don't. I don't. I just don't see that. I. I honestly don't. I think that 
Mareska would hold on to him with Claude. But I, yeah, if somebody comes in for 35, fuck, I, <laughs> what do you do at that point? He's got a year left on his contract, so I don't think it'll be that high. I think, you know, there's a lot of talk on various forums about, well, let's get rid of him and bring in Piro because he's got a year left on his contract. He scored a couple of goals. But I think just with the way that we play, I think Inacho, as you said, Jason, is sort of built for this team. And now we've got sort of another piece in the puzzle with an, you know, sort of an attacking goal scoring threat midfielder that that's, that's coming in. Like, I feel like really now it's sort of who's the, can we just get this sort of shaky defense that just gets split in two with one pass? Can we cut that bit out? And I think we've kind of got the team. I think we're going to have like supplemental squad. You know, Marcel, maybe he's not going to be, I don't think he's a 46 game right winger. So we need cover on that. But Mark. Well, I think now we're 42 minutes in. And it's about time we talk about the, the player of the episode was named Aqua. We've only yeah, mentioned him like five times, but as, and then we keep holding ourselves back. Well, I know. I think that. But before we do that, I did want to just shout out uh, Callum Doyle, who I thought, again, had an immense game. The kid seems to be in uh, their box more than ours, which is interesting as a defender. As a defender but uh, he's just constantly in areas that we need him to be. And I can also see him and Mavididi have got something going on they're looking better every single match and uh that link up on that left side it was it was like 90 percent of the first half in my opinion that's where we seem to be going from and uh yeah Callum he's looking really special Jason yeah and there was a great uh play Mavididi tore up the left side cut in right foot and it was the keeper made a great save he was unlucky enough to score there and and I think that would have completely changed the game for him he did have some difficulties um, the end product wasn't there for Mavididi, but um, he keeps trying, and that does look like it's growing into to to be a a pretty lethal partnership up there on the left side. Uh, Chris, anything you want to touch about young Callum? Uh, I just think thus far he's just looked so good. I mean, when yeah. was the last time we had a defender that uh, offensively minded? Well, that, and I think it, it some especially in that game on Saturday. The, yeah, we as Jim said, we have we had troubles at the back, but fundamentally those troubles were focused on the center and the right position. They weren't focused on that left hand side. I thought we were pretty strong down that left hand side all game. I think that's going to be the key is getting that balance. Like mm-hmm. Faust is going to have to have a absolute solid game every single week to really enable us to kind of be a strong unit back there because if he's not having a great game then Vestergaard's going to start to come across and trying to cover for that we know some of Vestergaard's problems at times as well and then all of a sudden it just snowballs and the kid just walks through them both so yeah I think Doyle being solid both defensively but like you said Matt in that attacking third is going to be crucial for us to continue this momentum Definitely. Um, and yeah, still holds at the back. Obviously, we talked about how if the finishing was better in this league, we would not be sitting where we are. So uh, I don't think that there's any argument that we've got holes to fill, but uh, you can't help but be optimistic when you have glaring holes like that. And we still got four out of four of the results. So uh, yeah, let's talk about the man that the episode's nailed, the na- episode is named after. Uh, Man, the Italian job, 
He just comes in. Uh, what what minute was that? 60th minute did he come in? It was a little later, right? A little later, around the 70th. Okay. I could, been, I could um, be wrong, though. But the play, the the, the the first of all, the kid is huge. That, I think that's the, the thing that has I've caught me off guard the most is just how tall this dude is. Um, and he, he's just a presence out there on the field. He's, he's not one of these small midfielders that disappears. The guy is very big. Um, the play comes in, and, and as we, we said earlier, if you want to call it a pass, but a terrible shot by KDH. Uh, gets bounced around. There's a penalty shout uh, for Vardy, uh, who gets into the position. In my opinion, it looked like a penalty to me. Uh, everybody else, are we all in agreement on that? Legs swiped out from underneath him. I think, so. I think everybody thought that apart from the referee. Yeah. Like, get up. <laughs> the referee is Skeletor. And that <laughs> I've got to just mention that you were you were. 100% wrong, and I was 100% right about where, when he was subbed in. He was uh, subbed in a little later than the 60th minute. In fact, it was the 61st minute. Okay. Okay. I completely <laughs> remember the game totally differently than what actually That's why you happened. The part, man. Well That's done, exactly Evan. Right. That's exactly right. Um, but yeah, what do you say about a kid? Uh, he gets himself, he arrives late in the box just as Enzo had been advertising him and he pounds it away, runs off to uh, SK1 and just does the freaking bow celebration, which we haven't seen since Esteban Cabiaso. And what a way to introduce yourself to the side. Uh, Chris, you want to talk about it? Yeah, I mean... I don't necessarily think I agree with LCFC.com by giving him man of the match, but at the same time, it was, it was, I mean, absolute limbs in the crowd. It was just great. <laughs> Everyone went nuts. Um, yeah, it's a hell of a finish. I think that's one thing that you take away from it. I mean, it's all chaos seven yards out. The ball comes across to him and he rifles it into the top of the net, giving the keeper no chance. I think, one thing that was on our side at that point, because I think I think even the keeper thought it was a penalty. Oh, and he yeah, just kind of, I think he just I think everybody just stopped and expected the whistle to be blown. And fair play to him. Like Cassidy continued like you say, you play through the whistle and the kid did and great finish. But yeah, I mean, like you said, Matt, it brought back those Everton Nacho vibes from a few years ago in the Premier League when it's that last minute winner. Without VAR, without VAR, without VAR, it's way better. Well, as well. You could just start going nuts and not real and not have to worry about it. So, no, great finish to be honest. And maybe the lads will disagree. I didn't when he came on, he did little bits, but he wasn't exactly kind of changing it too much. And I'm, I, I, I'm excited just to see him moving forward, kind of what he's going to bring. I think one mm. thing that he did do was he naturally got into the box. Yeah. And I think that's something that we've been missing in these forward eight positions. Like, you're going to get Ndidi, who's able to press the ball. You're going to get KDH, who's going to be able to play the pass. But both of them, I think Enzo's even said, he's have to keep, he has to keep encouraging them to get into the area. I think with Cassidy, you're not going to have that problem. The kid is naturally just going to want to get into the area. Like you said, Matt, come in late. I think we'll see a lot of headed goals from the lab because I'm with you. He is absolutely ginormous. Like, I didn't realize he was that big. So, no excited for him moving forward. I think he'll probably start Saturday. I think he should start Saturday. And, yeah, let it let it begin. So, uh, 
I he he definitely when he came on, you could see that he wants to be positive on the ball and he wants to get the ball forward and make things happen. Um, I was actually a little dis- I thought the I thought there'd be more limbs behind the goal. Uh, that like the cop does seem pretty sleepy for 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 a lot of the, of the game. Um, uh, and I was I was actually frankly I was surprised when someone scores in the ninety first minute that it wasn't just like complete complete bedlam. But it's easy for me to say many thousands of miles away. Um, but come on, like tell me you didn't see shades of Andy King when mm. when you put that in. It just felt like such a king goal. And, you know, we know what he did for us when we were in the second division and, and how big so many of his goals were. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know, I, I felt like a sense of deja vu when, when he scored there because it did feel like this the type of goal that any king would have, like, gotten into the box and scored for us. I yeah, love so that. That's a good shout. Go ahead, So Jay. both of you have, like, just looked like you've read my notes. So um, I think Chris has... I disagreed with you on KDH, but I totally agree with you on Cesare in terms of he was tidy. He didn't do much. I think it was just like, hey, I'm in, I'm getting on in the 60th minute. I've already had much, 61st, um, had much training time, you know, I'm getting to know. So I'm just going to give it simple and just, he looked for it though. Every time he was calling for it and he didn't get the ball, but kind of quiet. And then Jason, to your point, it's almost like he didn't do anything. And then as he was in the box, he came alive for that goal and it kind of showed what he was all about. And it was totally Andy King, young Andy King, you know, that young Andy King that could have been the next Frank Lampard type thing, right? Where, where it's like, what does he do really for 90 minutes? Oh, he just scores goals. I don't care what else he does. If he scores us goals, that's what I want. Also, he's like 6'1", but he looks like he's about six foot six, as you guys said as well. Maybe it's his haircut weird. that just starts right at the top of his head with that sort of weird mullet Italian haircut that the Italian, <laughs> Italian brethren have um, and I could never get away with. Um, but, yeah, I totally, totally spot on. Like, I think everyone was asleep for the goal, including everybody, Cardiff players, maybe maybe even our fans. You know, they were like, oh, it's penalty. Are we all waiting for VAR to be called? Because it's kind of been like spoon, you know, drip fed into us the last few seasons now. So, but but scenes scenes around the, the US, I'm sure. Yeah, we, we were definitely going absolutely wild at, at Football Factory um, when that went in. And the fact that he was the only player kind of ready for that, I think says a lot about him. Listening to his post-match interviews, he, he really comes across as like a, very mature for his age, and he's very thoughtful about what he's trying to do, and how he's not trying to get too far ahead of himself. How he wants his play to do the talking, and like, and any opportunity that you know an interviewer had to kind of bait him a little bit into looking too far ahead. He just he wouldn't take it and when he was also asked about you know whether he thought it was a penalty or not like just like he said he didn't realize he was focused on on what he was doing and what he had to do in that situation and yeah I, you know it's still very early but you know it was, it was i think all in all a very positive uh sub appearance especially for a brand new player of his age and you kind of see you know what enzo sees in him and Chris, you talked about it, how he doesn't need to be told to get into the box. And we needed a goal. And when you need a goal at the end of the game, you've got one striker out there on the pitch. 
you need your midfielders to get into the box. And that's exactly what he did. And I want to give honorable mention to, to Jamie Vardy for that goal, because mm. as, as we talked about earlier, that was that kind of cross shot thing from KDH, but um, Vardy took it. And I think this was the sharpest I've seen Vardy for a long time. Yeah. Talked earlier about, Hey, the 60th minute, 65th minute coming on to a tired defense where we've ground them down by keeping the ball deliberately. And then a couple of things he did, first of all, you know, great play, you know, kind of did a little, little touch kind of dragging it away from the defender, keeping himself between the ball and the defender as well, thinking he was going to get a shot away. And it was only because he was cleaned out. He didn't. Um, but there was another time where he made that break as well. And he ran and ran and then held it. And I think he could have probably given the pass, maybe made a better decision on the pass and he overhit it to, Jewsbury Hall actually, I think, out on the left, and it could have maybe gone right if I if I remember correctly. But um, I think just that showing he's the right person. He's got like that twenty-five minute burst or thirty-five minutes now with all the added time that we have. Um, but he was hungry, and then the shit housing at the end. He was the lead leader of it. You know, him and Mav- Mavadidi running it into the corner. You know, then Albright and joining in, and just kind of like right in front of our fans just sort of keeping the ball for the the last three to four minutes and again it's just you know just showing the Vardy that you know I think he got cleaned out and he kind of bounced back up didn't he and sort of looked at looked at the Cardiff player that cleaned him out like whatever I don't care because we're winning now and screw you and that's the like I imagine like a Vardy last season would have rolled on the ground and maybe sulked a bit and it's good to see that he's got getting his like swagger back yeah Absolutely. And uh, the first the first uh, sub to come on and score a debut goal since that goal, Nathan Dyer scored the knockout goal and he was fucking knocked out by Brad Gazan. Remember that shit? Oh, my goodness gracious. What a goal. It's been uh, that long since a sub came out on his debut yes, and scored a goal. On his debut and scored wow. Nathan Dyer. Yep. It's only that's two, two huge goals. Yeah. And Nathan probably would have celebrated the same way had he not been knocked the fuck out <laughs> on the ground, uh, seeing seeing birds fly around his head. So yeah, I think he said he had no idea that he actually scored the goal. Literally, until, yeah. Until until after. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shout out Nathan Dyer. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, guys, uh, we'll wrap it up here. Romeo red card to end the game. That was just about fucking perfect he needs kdh in the back just dirty as shit and shout out to the referee for having his eye on him i think he knew that play was coming uh because that was that was dirty and just a perfect way for them to end so uh yeah what a, what a way to say goodbye to uh Cardiff for a while um good 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 win guys three more points and uh let's keep it going um next week against rothram and in uh, an away match at New York, New York Stadium, uh, I tried to look up why it's called New York, New York Stadium. It turns out that the land that it was built on was just called New York, so they call it New York. So, sorry, Jace, there's nothing more fun than that to uh, to dive in on. It's why they're called um, New York Stadium, New York, New York Stadium. Um, yeah. Any any anything you want to touch on that before we talk about their results? Uh, nah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Rotherham winless in the league thus far. Uh, they also have picked up two red cards. So uh, interesting there. They they've got a bit of an issue with discipline. It looks like 
And uh, as a team that we've already been frustrating, we play a style of football that's frustrating to teams if they can't break it down. So that will be something to watch to see if we can uh, get into their heads that way. Uh, I did find this. This was fun. The last time we played them, 2011. Okay. It was a four to one win in the league cup. And there were, the only goal that they scored was a Matt Mills own goal from us. And that's a name that I'll bet you guys haven't thought about in a long time. Oh, Matty Mills, Chris. That's a hell. That's a long, what's that? 12 years ago now. Yeah. yeah. Listen yeah. to the lineup. Listen to the still, lineup guys. What's that? I was going to say still too recent for Nigel Pearson. I was going to say, yeah, my, my, uh, and I think Jim's got a great memory as well. My memory of Rotherham was so when they were building this stadium on New York, New York ground, um, they played at Sheffield Don Valley stadium, which is like an athletics track. And I was a student in Sheffield. We were playing a league cup game on a Wednesday night and we went to the game and it was foggy as hell. And for 90 minutes, I was on the back row. Couldn't see a single lick of the game. <laughs> Did not see one minute of the game. It was that foggy. The mist was that low. I think we lost one nil. So I don't think I missed much. But um, I'm excited That's for Saturday great. to actually watch a Rotherham game. But um, Jim, what are your? I think you've got some stories about Rotherham as well. I, I have. So like you, Chris, I lived in Sheffield for a, a long time as well. And um, so I actually played um, football in the Rotherham League. And um, I was party to the fastest sending off I've ever seen in the history of um, um, of football, where actually the, the manager came on as a defender, slid tackled someone, <laughs> took them two-footed, took them both out. They landed on top of him. He took a front to the fact that they landed on top of him after he fouled them. So he rolled over and then started punching them in the face. Um, <laughs> and so that was uh, my experience of playing Sunday League in Rotherham everybody um so it was a good fun it was also his first game back after he dislocated his shoulder so um i can see why well that's um i, I like the, the 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 violent story there because matt mills was just brought up and i mentioned and and his uh for his own goal at rather and probably his best one of his best moments as a lesser player was uh getting headbutted by nigel pearson apparently <laughs> oh that was a rough one uh, yeah, let me read you the, the rest of this lineup, though, from then. First of all, Jeff Schlupp, uh, Paul Gallagher scored the first one in 36, and then Jeff Schlupp had a hat trick. So shout out to Jeffy. Uh, was but that, that when lineup, we were playing Jeff as, like, a forward? Yes. Was that one of his first ever games? Yes, it was. Yeah. Um, Schmeichel was in goal then, so that's got to be one of his first as well, because 2011 is when he came over from uh, Leeds. Mm. Uh, Paul Koncheski, Matt Mills. Uh, here's one for you, Michael Ball. I think that's a guy oh. we'd all like to forget. Played for us. Uh, Jeff Jeff Schlupp, obviously. Lloyd Dyer also in that side. Michael Johnson in that side. <laughs> Michael Johnson. <laughs> wow, one of the four games he managed to play before he had all the pies. And also Michael Johnson, Michael Ball, and Matt Mills all look exactly alike to me. So <laughs> I think that they literally could be the same person. Uh, Frank Mosa. Matt Oakley, Paul Gallagher, and Martin Waghorn round out that side. Um, That's a proper hard Brexit lineup. So yeah, guys, interesting uh, match. Seven seven a.m. Seven a.m. on uh, Saturday if you're you're on the West Coast. Uh, Ten a.m. for our East Coast friends. And I always what is it in, in Texas, Jim? Nine a.m. in Central Time. 
for those of us in the middle. 9 a.m. in Central Time. And then, um, and then Mountain Time will be 8 a.m. For sure. And I can't go any further, like, with people if you're in, in for our Denver Foxes. Uh, Chris, I did forget. Uh, we have our uh, summary from our uh, in-stadium correspondent, Mr. Ollie McLean. Uh, if you want to get that ready, we can play that. I, I totally skipped over that for for his uh, Cardiff experience this week. We definitely wanted to get that in. So go ahead whenever you're ready. Hey, Matt. Hey, US Foxes. Hey, Paul, as well. Um, hope you all enjoyed that too on whenever Cardiff. Um, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't sexy. But doesn't have to be when when you get the three points in the end and that's what we did um, I'm, I'm going to come out the come out the blocks and say early on that my man of the match was Yannick Vestergaard uh, because nobody was was stand out to be honest but, but Vestergaard he, he did his job uh, and he didn't lose possession all that much and he, he probably I might be wrong but I haven't looked back on the game but he probably was the most consistent player on the pitch for the 90 minutes but um but yeah, nobody was perfect today. But like I said, it doesn't matter when uh, when you get the three points at the end of the day. Um, buzzing to see Casady get on that score sheet. Doesn't matter how sloppy the goal was. A goal's a goal. Uh, I'm pretty sure it should have been a penalty anyway if he didn't put it in the roof of the net. But um, but yeah, history makers. This uh, this Enzo side would be in first ever time we've won four games in a row. Uh, at the start of the season, so yeah, absolutely buzzing with that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm even more excited for the following game next week against Rotherham. Um, cannot wait for just for the season, man. I, I've been saying it to everyone that I've been talking to that I'm just so, so excited for every single game, and it's such a nice feeling to to look forward to the games, to be excited to to come to the game, not just think, oh, here we go, here's another week. Are we going to win? Are we going to not? But we are, we're feeling good. The, the the feeling around the ground is just brilliant at the minute, and it's so refreshing. I just I love I love this at the minute, and I'm fucking loving the championship. So keep us here for all I care. But we are going straight back up. Um, yeah, unbelievable day. Uh, can't wait for Rotherham. And thank you very much. That's all I've got to say. Really, to be honest with you. Um, Let's, as always, keep that faith. Follow the foxes or the fucking sitter. <laughs> what an absolute legend. Thank you uh, to Ollie, as always, for that. And yeah, <laughs> Yannick Vestergaard is man of the match, Jason. I think that Yannick Vestergaard looked at himself in the mirror before this season and made a personal vow to himself to redeem himself to Ollie McLean. I think I think um, we didn't get the IPA review, but maybe with that man of the match call, Ollie maybe had all of them. I think he had all of them. Yeah, so we'll I'll have to remind him uh, of that that we were promised. So hey, I don't blame him. If I were him and someone was making me drink an IPA, I would stall for as many weeks as possible. Same I would here, like to and know I'm... what kind of flavor profiles the IPA has, and then if no one tells me, I'll be very upset. Jason Popery. <laughs> Popery. Oh man. Um I understand one last thing. Uh Jim wanted to talk about Fox's Hub uh this evening. Uh go ahead, buddy. 
yeah, I, I just wanted to get everyone's um, experience of Fox's hub and having to dick around with that, plugging in HDMI cables into PC into their laptops so they can get it on the TV because apparently casting is some sort of illegal maneuver and, and building an app is even more complicated. Um, but I, I think overall, apart from my color scheme, which seemingly didn't happen to anyone else going into the negative <laughs> quite often, um, it was pretty good. And the highlight for me was the, the adverts or commercials being peak king power, Perfect. especially the first one right off the bat at halftime with the I don't know what was happening, but it was amazing. <laughs> and I want to see that every week. I think me too. Yeah, as a longtime Lost fan who, you know, went through the Foxes player days and, and all of that, uh, I don't know that my hopes were very high for everything to just work uh, on the first day on time. And it worked. It did. It worked. Um, and yeah. the, the quality was decent. Um, on my end, it, it worked. And I'm very happy. Like, I, I got to give my kudos to the club because it, it, it worked. And uh, I know there were other clubs like Borough and, and some others who, who could not get their streams up uh, in time for the game. So um, well done, Leicester City Football Club and all those involved behind the scenes. Well, all I can say is if you're using your personal laptop for it and it's the only thing you kind of use your laptop for each week, make sure that you've like, checked for updates before and it's not trying to reboot. That did not happen to me, but I know as a, I think we all know that from, from work PCs and laptops. They, they like to get, give you an update at the most inconvenient moment. So <laughs> scrambling around first thing in the morning is not ideal for that. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo Jason's point. Like, it blew me away. Multiple angles, replays. I was like, what is this? I expected circa 2001 championship where it was one guy with a handheld camera on the gantry. So, it, no, great job. But, and, hell, we even had, what, Jerry Taggart giving us a little bit of halftime Gary and Maddie, yeah. It was also as well. It was also a professional commentator that had come in to. to yeah, he said that. Didn't he? he said he'd come on the train. Not, not like you know, the dude that just works for Leicester <laughs> who's calling it, chatting away to you know Nugent that we had in preseason. <laughs> Yeah, um, I was very impressed, uh, I got to say, uh, because I was so sure, you know, setting it up, I'm like, something is going to be. And the casting thing, what's craziest about the casting thing is there's a casting button. Like, after they told us that there would be no, absolutely no casting allowed, there's still a casting button down at the bottom right. So I didn't dare click it for fear of the my laptop exploding. But, uh, I, yeah, yeah it, cool. that's there. So there's like, questions. I guess if yeah. anyone has had success casting, just yeah. send it to the DMs. Don't, don't, don't. Yeah, send it to the DMs. Don't, don't and I, I, I think we all had fun in the week, didn't we, in our group chat? with people downloading and, and, and highlighting elements of the terms and conditions, which are, which are kind of very prohibitive to things like oh. sharing passwords, trying to, if you use a VPN and you're detected to use a VPN, we'll just turn you off as well. You know, all of these things that, you know, I can imagine that the Leicester cybersecurity sniffers, you know, they have oh, a crack, dude. they have a crack group there already reverse, you know, checking out what we're going on at each endpoint. And listen, we get it. We understand. IRC is terrible. Like, 
horrible. But guys, if you have a fucking second, let's just read through that terms and conditions for the fuck. Um, it is it is entertaining to say the least. There's literally like a, a, a paragraph about not letting people look over your shoulder. So um, please read that if you get a chance. It's it's, it's wonderful. Um, other than that, guys, I think we better wrap this thing up. We're at an hour and ten minutes uh, of these of our wonderful listeners' time. Um, as always, guys, thank you for listening to the U.S. Boxes podcast. We had some amazing uh, get-togethers around the country this week. Uh, another great show out um, from the Rochester Foxes, Philly Foxes, New York Foxes, San Diego Foxes. We were rocking as well. And uh, yeah, guys, as always, if you're getting together, use that hashtag US Foxes so we can point people your direction and uh, hopefully make your get-togethers a little uh, more populated as we spread the word of the greatest club in the world. Um, with that being said, I, as always, am your host, Matt Folks, joined by my amazing co-hosts, Mr. Jason Becker, Jim Harris, and Chris Warner. And yeah, guys, let's get let's keep it rolling. Uh, the Italian train just keeps cruising, and let's get three more points this week. Thank you for joining us on the U.S. Foxes podcast, and we will see you next time. Peace.